Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Hello, and welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest on the show. I normally talk to people from the practitioner side, but today I have the, the pleasure, the awkward pleasure of talking to what may be perceived uh, by others as a peer or a competitor <laughs> in the chief of staff for Wade and Wendy. Wade and Wendy is one of the early companies that got into the conversational AI for recruitment space. And I, I first heard about this company I think five years ago at the very beginning. Dave Meckelberg is the chief of staff and joining us today for a chat, which will be a little different and a little bit more about, I suppose, about chatbots, right, Dave? If that's okay with you, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Always excited to talk about chatbots. I don't get to do it enough, especially in this context. So, and I will say, you know, I, I cheat a little bit. So I'm our, I'm our chief of staff. I'm also our, our head of people. So I am technically a practitioner. I do oversee our recruiting and hiring. So I can speak a little bit to that. So I won't be a total foreigner, um, but very excited to, to talk about chat and talk about you know, what, what's happening in recruitment automation yeah. and hacking. Awesome. Did, were you the guy who came up with the job title, conversational designer? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I picked that up from a blog post by your CEO, and mm -hmm. I, I saw that conversational designer, and I fell in love with it so much that I immediately posted for that job myself at TalkBush, you know, <laughs> within a week, and I, I started collecting applications. We hire a bunch now, and it has taken off, and I, I, was, I almost thought maybe you guys coined the term. Oh, I would love to take credit for that. Uh, let me think where we first probably encountered it so there were some early going like way back in time, like pull string, which was like a, a like Pixar backed conversation design platform. We, we had met okay. with their team and they had somebody that they called a conversation designer. I think Apple and Siri, I think a lot of the Siri team was starting to use that phrase, but you know, certainly when we posted that job, it got some eyes because people were like conversation designer. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got the same thing. And I also, one of my head of conversational design, she said that she, when she changed her job title from product manager to conversational designer, the volume of interest she got on LinkedIn also shut up considerably. So it's, it's not a good retention strategy, maybe a good hiring strategy. Conversational designer, great <laughs> place, uh, great, way to, great way to advertise, but also not a great retention strategy people will come out and, and try to hire them away from you. And, and so maybe if I'm lucky, I'll find out who came up with that term and I'll be on a goose chase. Dave, I'll start looking at the people at Siri or an Apple to see if I can find the person who coined that. But yeah, definitely chatbots have been around for longer than we've been around. That's definitely true. But they've, it's the rate of change. And I think you've, you've probably seen this over the last few years. The rate of change has been astronomical, just in terms of the penetration, the familiarity from the average person that's interacting with the chatbot. When we first started, we 
we're doing user testing and you know, having people chat with a bot about work. Like talk to me about what it is you want to do and what it is you like to do. And it was such a novel experience for people. And now, you know, really up and down the, you know, uh, across the country in every corner, everyone has some experience with chatbot, whether it's, you know, through a bank teller or through a customer service bot, you know, the depth of penetration has gotten beyond, you know, people that are interested in technology or people that are interacting with, you know, the hot new fintech startup, things like that, and really gotten into the hands of the average person so that, you know, when we, when we started, we, we built so much into the experience to make sure that this was intuitive and didn't scare people that, you know, might, might have some emotional anxiety about, you know, talking to a bot about AI and automation in their lives and get them to put, you know, trust in helping us get them the right opportunity. And we're in between them and, you know, the, the right job. And that's a responsibility that we take really seriously. And we had to build an experience where people would trust and believe that we would guide them appropriately, given that it's a technology experience. And I do think over the last few years, that comfort, that familiarity, just looking at when the feedback that we get and things like that, there's way less like, wow, I've never seen this before to, you know, what a high quality conversational experience. You know, we get feedback about the conversation design and that's just something that, you know, I think a few years ago, your average, you know, salesperson applying for an entry level job wasn't leaving feedback about our bots conversation design. I got completely thrown off. You're you're putting me back to 2018 or 17. I was in India meeting with, I think it was Expedia and I was presenting our technology, chatbot for recruitment. And this gentleman, this engineer that I met started showering me with questions about natural language processing and how many intents do you have mapped out and what is your taxonomy <laughs> around the intents? And yes, I thought, yes. where, where did I step into? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, don't even know. I don't know half the words he's using, but I haven't had that experience too often. Still, most people, they're past the point of, I've never worked with a chatbot before. They still feel like it's a bit of a dirty word and that it may ruin the candidate experience. But obviously, if they're working with us, they're past that as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess it's, it's a bit of a marketing to change the perception and say, well, it's not, you know, one, one move was to say, it's not a chatbot, it's a conversational agent, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, a virtual agent, just different ways of renaming it. Our, our system is very much built on the handover to the human and having a hybrid experience. I, I think, and this is perception, I haven't really tested your product, but I think mm-hmm. Wade and Wendy has, comes from a deep tech expertise with, you have PhDs who work in your company. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're building intelligence that works without the human intervention, perhaps. Yeah. So the notion of human intervention is a, is a really interesting one. So... Let me lay out for you a little bit of how we approached this problem, right? And where we started from. And, you know, we started from a place of recruiting and, and recruiting that we saw our CEO and, and founder, while, you know, his previous ventures were deep tech wearables for like manufacturing and farming, 
you know, deep marketing tech in the early days of that industry. His first job out of college was as a recruiter. And he uh-huh. felt that pain of, I love the problem. And everyone at our organization to a T, it's something that we, we screen for in our hiring process is really excited about solving the hiring problem, which is getting people the right opportunity as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> and that experience kind of start, you know, is what bubbled this up. And there's so much wasted space when it comes to the recruiting process. So much time spent looking up email addresses and a hand, like a dozen tools and you know, spending all your time on LinkedIn, crafting the perfect email, you know, having the same 15-minute conversation over and over again, only to find out that the candidate actually moved two years ago and they're not really, you know, they're not open to working in your location, all this kind of running in place. And you're never sure when you're a human recruiter connecting with a candidate, if this is the right fit. And as a candidate, you're not sure, like, is it worth my time to even connect with this recruiter? And you have this kind of core problem in place that we wanted to take that kind of deep tech and and automation approach to, which was, we want to clear out all of the rote recruiting tasks that get in the way of humans coming together. So when you say human intervention, our goal is to have as little human intervention in the bot, the chat experience itself. Right, so, right. you know, in, in terms of kind of what we do, our, our platform um, helps automate on for an enterprise company, helps automate three core functions. Sourcing, so identifying a candidate for a role, engaging them in an informational interview, getting them excited about the opportunity, a few basic qualifying questions. And if they're a fit, kind of bringing them into the hiring process. Screening. So somebody applies to a job, they go through a first uh, round deep dive interview with our bot, all kind of written text. And the last is coordination. So scheduling, messaging, you know, don't forget your interview is tomorrow at at 1 p.m. That that kind of work. Our goal is to do all that so recruiters can come in and see, okay, this candidate is excited. They, you know, they check off all the boxes. Here's the AI recommendation that is leading to me to believe they're a fit. And I'm sure that this candidate is worth my time. Now let me as a recruiter build a relationship, guide them through the hiring process and, you know, help get them across the finish line. We do believe that ultimately recruiting is still always going to boil down to human decision-making process. On the other side of the equation, we have a candidate facing bot. So Wendy works at the enterprise and Wade, we put out into the world as a kind of an AI career guide. And you chat with Wade about, you know, what you've done in the past, what you'd like to do. There are personality tests. So you can get a real sense of who you like to work with, how you like to work, why you work. Is it a matter of I just want to grow my career in whatever way possible. I want to maximize my salary because I want to be able to take. Wait, is that Wendy or Wade? This is Wade. Um, Wade, because it sounds like I would, I I would actually open up more to a Wendy than I would to a Wade, but fine. Mm -hmm. So, this is the one of the things, and I'm going to ask you a question, which I hope is not too uncouth, because you know (laughs) I'm on your show. One of the things that we saw from the beginning, which we were not ready for, was there's something about 
when you know you're chatting with an AI personality, and I know for you and, and for us, that's key to the experience is letting people know, hey, this is not an automated personality. There is a level of trust. People don't feel judged. And not everyone wants to open up to a bot necessarily, but we, we had in our, our early days, we had candidates sharing stories that recruiters, you know, that have been doing it for 20 years have never heard. People surviving, you know, terrorist attacks, people going into depth about personal tragedy that they'd overcome and, and how it related to, to the job that they were applying for and these really deeply personal stories. And when we would conduct, you know, surveys and, and user interviews afterwards, there's this theme of, you know, I wasn't sure about this, but once I started talking, I realized, you know what, I can just tell my story and I can get out of the way and there, there's no judgment. And, you know, I, work is such a personal specific context, right? And I would love to hear from your side of the table, like, what do you see when people are interacting with, with TalkPush? Like, how do they feel about it? Well, first, to your point, I think it's a good medium for getting stuff out that would be sensitive. So an exit interview would be a good medium to use mm. chatbots because, you know, you're talking to an AI and so you can say things as they are a little bit more perhaps than if you're talking to HR, because HR can hold back your salary, but the AI is not going to hold back your salary, <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully. And on the matter of people opening up, we do you know very, very large volumes, and most of it, you were organizing in sourcing, screening, and coordinating. Really, we try to keep the sourcing bit, which is like ask questions, direct to the job, as lean as possible. Mm -hmm. And then screening is also quite lean and it's, it's the, the bulk of the volume. And, and we collect answers that are text, but also audio and video. So mm -hmm. audio and video is the chance for people to express their creativity. And we see some nice things there, of course. On text, it's usually a little bit faster because people on their mobile phones and they're mm -hmm. not going to go on forever. So yeah, that's how I would describe it. But there are different pools of population because we work in eight or 10 countries that have different reactions. So uh, mm. some markets, the, the people are more warm and they try to uh, convince the bots to, you know, treat them nice and put them at the top of the <laughs> list. And they Great. use more flowery language, I'll say. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget the first time we had you know, so the Wendy, the chatbot personality that is doing the interviewing, basically. She's the recruiter. And yeah. we had somebody go through an interview. And at the end, you know, we have a little wave emoji. And, and Wendy says, you know, like, thank you so much. Like the hiring, you know, the human hiring team will get back to you. Something like that. Something from, from the early days, whatever it said. And people were responding. Thanks, Wendy. Hope you have a great day. And people know Wendy's a robot. We had, we had like robot jokes in some of the early chats. Like people knew... But, you know, there's that notion of, well, if I'm going to chat with it, I'm going to treat it like a, you know, like it's a thing. Like I'm going to call it by its name. It's, it's Wendy. <laughs> no, we, we get the same thing. I mean, it, it got to the point of it's like, oh, um, I really hope that you're going to get back to me sooner because I really need this job because blah, blah, blah. My, you know, my daughter needs a surgery oh. or something. Oh, my, my goodness. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the application process. Which, you know, I mean, makes your heart bleed, of course. Yeah. 
but uh, my heart's not the bot doesn't have a heart so the bot's like okay <laughs> yeah sorry there's nothing in our evaluation algorithm about you know the touching yeah. story unfortunately circumstances yeah yeah all right well let's switch gears a little bit and maybe it sounds like you know we should have a separate podcast where we put our bot people with your bot people and, and share bot stories that would be fun oh. But it. it would be for a different kind of audience. My audience is mostly <laughs> yeah. TA professionals and they could get a little bit bored. So you know, one thing that we kind of started at the same time, right? So when did you launch uh, uh, Wade and Wendy? So Wade and Wendy started in, you know, like on the couch, like a dollar and a dream and idea in 2015. Okay. And yeah, so, and we've been, building ever since yeah so around the same time i i may be a, a few months older but we only did our first tech spot in 2016 after our our initial run was doing ivr voice uh voice collection over the phone oh awesome and uh, sometimes people ask me are you still a startup mm. <laughs> are you in and I don't know what to tell them because, yeah, the company's more mature five years in, but people want to work in a startup because it's cool and exciting. How do we keep it a cool and exciting five, you know, five years in when we haven't yet taken over the world? Certainly our numbers are very high and it's, mm -hmm. you know, we have purpose around that. But yeah, what are your thoughts on how to keep it fresh? And, and I'm, I'm also curious, you know, to extend a little bit the conversation on the retention their retention number, which is too high. <laughs> oh, interesting. Because I think like oh, wow. a company from five wow. years ago, yeah. four years ago, did not need the same people as it does now. <laughs> yep. So uh, that's, what a question. I'll work backwards. I'll, I'll answer that first because I think that will help inform sort of the, the, how do you keep it fresh? You know, I think I completely agree with your point, which is that, you know, at every stage of company, you need different types of personality. The reality on the ground is really different. When we were tackling an incredibly difficult idea in an immature tech space and market, you know, in, in 2015, 2016, really up until probably like early yeah. 2019, yeah. it was when we would talk to prospective clients, we had to explain what a chatbot was, what AI was, why HR was going to benefit from AI and what that even meant. When it came to the problems that we were solving and just the ability to manage a chat conversation and what that took and, and understanding from a design and conversation perspective through the hard tech of, you know, how do you build for the future with this? It was so much open field, just a, an empty meadow with grass in every direction and walk forward, right? And that is not for everybody. That level of uncertainty, of rapid rate of change, of, you know, chaos to a degree, because I'll never forget when we went live with the first customer, because, you know, I'd been on a zero to one startup journey before. So I had a distinct memory then of what happened and, and how disruptive and special having a client like was to, you know, an organization that was, you know, 
under the hood trying to solve these deep tech problems, certainly user testing all the time, but it's so different when you're actually live. So you know, the person that is engaged and excited with that chaos, and certainly we, we, we do have a, a chunk of our core team that has been with us from, from those early days, you know, when you get to a level of, okay, this is a thing and there's still so much green grass and there's still so much to do, but there is a clear pathway. And the people that we have now, you know, there are people that I think if they had joined the organization four or five years ago, would have been miserable. They don't, you know, being the fifth person on a team trying to solve this is a really different lived experience than, you know, yeah. being employee 12 or 15 or 20 or whatever it is. And that, yeah, that changes as you... you some you people it. would be addicted to startup after startup after startup. And you, you see those resumes where people spend six to 12 months mm-hmm. and, you know, you're thinking, okay, either this person has serious ADD and is not reliable, or <laughs> perhaps that's just the way they're geared. They just have to go at the early stage and keep doing that over and over again. I call it, I have this notion that we, we talk about a lot, which is startup time. And the earlier you are at a startup, both in terms of like company size and like development lifecycle, if it's a tech startup, those early days, every month, you should count as six months. So, you know, six months at an early stage startup when it's five people feels like three years of sort of life experience. And as the company grows, as things become more predictable, that starts to flatten out. We're like, okay, five years at, you know, late stage tech company is five years. But if you're part of that first year, there's so much emotion and complexity and raw hours that go into those early days that it's almost as if you're operating on a different calendar. And certainly there are people, you know, that were on our journey for six months. And, you know, we have a couple of those, um, especially some junior folks that were interns and things like that. And, you know, to this day, we have relationships as if we'd worked together for a decade, just because those six months really forged that that time. And it was a really yeah. notable kind of moment for, for all of us. And so your alumni, your, your best alumni, did they stay in the startup world for the most part? They moved on to their own thing? It depends. And we've watched people go to a giant company and then realize like we've been at it for long enough where a couple of people are now on the second thing afterwards and worked for, you know, a fortune 50 company for a couple of years. And we're like, no, I miss, I miss that. <laughs> so most went on to startups in some capacity, but a handful like went to the big places where everybody else goes. Hey, and, you got to pay the bill. Yeah, you got to what, what motivates you is different for everybody. And if it's an awesome paycheck, which you can really get at a giant company, then, you know, by all means, uh, go, go after it. I think so, right? I was saying conversational designers will find job and you can, you can go work for Microsoft anytime and probably get something there. <laughs> well, other tips on that I can appropriate on how to keep the excitement strong especially in these uh, troubled time when we cannot see each other in person. So this is advice that I got. Hopefully you can use both you, Max, and you, the listener at home or wherever you're, you're listening to this. You know, when one of the things that 
the entire employee life cycle is tied together, right? So from the first time you hear about a company that you might work for in the recruiting process to, you know, 20 years down the line when you're an AVP and just continuing to kind of move up the ranks, whatever it might be. But the best organizations that I've seen really do illuminate their entire process with that organization's mission, right? And, you know, I think about, you know, companies where I've gotten to see this up close are organizations like, you know, and I'm not, some some of these are clients, some of these are just companies where I've gotten the chance to talk to leaders and, and hear what they have to say. But I think about companies like PepsiCo or Comcast that have a real kind of message infused in what being an employee there means and what the goals of that organization mean to, to kind of the broader world. And wait a minute, you know, Dave, PepsiCo yeah. is, is the goal of, is the mission sell more sugar? So it's, it's fascinating. PepsiCo has a, a wide ranging and I'm, I have no affiliation with PepsiCo. So I've just heard people at PepsiCo speak about their culture. So PepsiCo's internal mission is really oriented around diversity and personal development. So yes, they are selling corn chips and sugary drinks and a whole bunch of of other things, which is, you know, these are complexities in the modern world, but internally in terms of their company culture and what they do, they are deeply engaged with bringing their workforce into the community service projects. They are one of the most diverse leadership organizations. The fact that I even know this stuff just tells you how, and again, I have no connection to Pepsi whatsoever. The way that they communicate that brand, the way it filters out throughout the organization keeps people, you know, not just engaged and motivated in a kind of transactional way, but in a deep way, people are committed to the development of, of the organization. Now, selling sugary drinks isn't necessarily what drives me every day. I, you know, but for us, we're lucky and I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. We're, we're oriented towards this really powerful problem, right? Every day yeah. I get to come to work and I get to work on chipping away at the massive unemployment crisis that is mm. affecting, you know, hundreds of millions of people across the globe. I get to work on issues of representation and diversity by trying to remove bias in the hiring process. I mean, if you're work, if you're a recruiter, if you're a TA person and and you're thinking about your team, your team is on the front lines of some of the most important decision-making that human beings make, where yeah. they choose to work, where they choose to spend their time. You know, society. It, it's such a important thing. And, you know, we do a lot to remember that and to talk about that. We have like an internal mantra that we call 60 to six, which is today the average job search in America and it's, it's different the world over, but we're majority of our teams based in the U S. So this is the number we use. The average job search takes six days. So when you're looking for work, whether you're unemployed or you've decided it's time for a change, the average job search takes 60 days. We want to create a world where it takes six. We want to make hiring 10 times faster, where you're not spending all your time searching and and trying to eliminate the right and wrong job, where the right job comes to you and you are able to just opt in. For the recruiter, they don't have to spend all this time searching for candidates and putting people through the process. You just get the right candidate. You know they're the right candidate because you have all this data suggests they're the right candidate and how it maps on to their future 
work at your organization. And this notion of 60 to six and removing, you know, 54 days of not knowing how you're going to pay your bills, not knowing what you're going to be doing with yourself, just going crazy, sitting by yourself. Like that is so powerful and illuminating. And, you know, I think that really helps keep things fresh. And, you know, from a startup, and this is a little more specific to a startup context, you keep hitting milestones along the way, right? You're never done. It's never like, okay, like this is over. It's, we got this contract or we're able to release this functionality or this thing that we've been talking about for five years, since this was an idea on the couch is now about to go live because of the work of dozens of people across the globe. That is so cool. And when you get to celebrate those kinds of victories, you know, it's just a reminder of why you get up and do all the unglamorous things that being at a startup requires. Cause it's not, I'm probably making it sound all, you know, sunshine and lollipops, but you know, it's a lot. And there's a lot of work that a big team and and money can solve that you have to be scrappy and you have to find your uh, clever way around it and just in the time. Yeah. I think we're lucky or maybe not lucky. We picked the industry we chose to go after. And that was one of the the reasons I, I would personally not be motivated to sell sugary drinks, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm going to use what you said about PepsiCo and go chase some sponsorship money from, from Mountain Dew for this podcast. <laughs> see, awesome. Yeah. See, see if we can get some it's a really extreme podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, we could go on all day on these topics. And maybe we'll, we'll talk again and maybe we'll have a, our bot people have a separate chat. Oh, uh, but it was a real pleasure, a real treat having you on the show, Dave. Thank you so much for sharing and yeah, all the best to you and your 60 to 6 mission. Um, I'll see if I, can, if I can tweak it and personalize it for my team. I would love that. Look, this is a, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is that this is a community, right? And you know, if you're solving these problems, these problems are bigger than like any group, any company, things like that. And it's always exciting to talk to other people that care about these issues. So thank you so much for, for having me. I am excited to, to get to, to talk with you about this in this setting. And yeah, hopefully people are, are ready to chat with a bot about work now. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Max. I had such a great time interviewing Dave Meckelberg, Chief of Staff, Head of People at Wade & Wendy. It's often an experience running a startup which is very competitive, where you're trying to grab the headlines and grab market share from your competition. And it's so refreshing and so nice to, to meet the competition and remember that you are working on problems that are much bigger than your own and much bigger than your own company. And then we had so much to learn from each other. So thanks, Dave, for participating. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and it didn't get too geeky for you that you'll sign up for more on the Recruitment Hackers podcast. 